The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back into the Doctor's Lounge. I'm your host, Dr. Hal Schurz, and each week I and my co-host, Dr. Scott Barber, bring to you the information that doctors are talking about in doctors' lounges all across the country. We discuss issues in healthcare to make healthcare more understandable to you so that you can advocate for yourself and for your family. We also talk about the issues of the day that doctors are talking about everywhere. The show is brought to you by the Docs for Patient Care Foundation, which is the only physician-led healthcare think tank in the country. Um, the Docs for Patient Care Foundation stands for and upholds the principles of the doctor-patient relationship and healthcare freedom for all Americans. And we ask each week for you to go to our website at www. D, the number four, pcfoundation.org, and sponsor our, or support our show to um, support the organization so that we can continue bringing you this show and doing the work that we do every day all across the country. Um, it's really important now that we're at the end of the year, if you're looking for a uh, place to make a charitable tax-deductible contribution, there's no better way to spend your money than the Docs for Patient Care Foundation. Trust me, this is money that you um, need to spend if you want to continue to uphold the principles of healthcare freedom and support a group that is working so that your healthcare in the future will be better for you and for your family. And I have a few announcements today. First, um, in in uh, line with what I have just said about uh, contributions, I'm happy to announce a, a, a limited time promotion that uh, I would like to offer to everybody out there. Um, what I'm going to propose is that you can co-host this show with me. You do not need to be in the studio. You can do this remotely. And you can um, contact me and we can discuss the show that we want to do together. Um, if you donate $1,000 to the Docs for Patient Care Foundation, you can co-host an episode of the Doctor's Lounge. So I think that would be a lot of fun for people. You can go to Doctor's Lounge at americaswebradio.com. Um, you need to do two things, actually. You need to go to www.d, um, the number four, pcfoundation.org. That's d four pcf.org it comes right up in Google and make a tax deductible contribution year end contribution I know everybody 
is needing to make these contributions if you itemize your tax returns, and this would be a great way to spend your money. And for $1,000, you can co-host an episode of The Doctor's Lounge. If you make that donation, you contact me at doctorslounge at americaswebradio.com, and we will discuss with each other by email or phone or text um, what uh, who you are and uh, what you'd like to discuss and uh, and when if you want to be a guest on the show you can be one for five hundred dollars and you can do a segment on the show same thing, go to the Doctor's Lounge at AmericasWebRadio.com after making your $500 contribution. Or you, if you don't want to be on the show, you can simply sponsor a show for $250. And uh, we will recognize you at the beginning and at the end of the show um, and uh, mention who you are and where you're from. And if you have a special message you would like me to uh, to convey to our listeners. So let me just go through that again. For $250, you can, uh, you can get recognition on the show. For $500, you can be a guest on a segment of the show. And for $1,000, you can co-host an episode of The Doctor's Lounge. So you go to www.d4pcf docsforpatientcarefoundation.org and make your contribution and then contact me at Doctors Lounge at americaswebradio.com and I think that will be a great opportunity for people who have a burning desire to say what they want to say on this podcast, on the radio and have tens of thousands of people listening to what you have to say. So Please take advantage of that. I think it's a great opportunity. It's win-win for everybody. Another announcement that I have is about the upcoming Nuts and Bolts Direct Primary Care meeting that the Docs Patient Care Foundation puts on every year. This meeting is coming up on us. It is just right around the corner, just three months away. And we are at 50% capacity. I do not want you to get shut out. If you're a physician or you are a practice manager in a primary care or cash practice, you're a patient and you have a doctor or a friend who is thinking about direct primary care, this is an absolute must meeting. You you really need to um, uh, make plans, uh, set aside time to get to this meeting. It's in Orlando, Florida, March 14th to 16th, and it is going to be, I, I, I know that everybody engages in hyperbole, but I, I honestly believe this will be the best meeting that we've put on thus far. And the people who have come to this meeting um, in years past have given this meeting glowing, glowing um, reviews. And you can go to the, the Docs for Patient Care website and read about uh, this meeting and previous meetings. But you don't want to miss this meeting, folks. So um, make plans to come. We have uh, a, our keynote speaker is Dr. Marty McCary, who is the author of um, 
um, oh my god, I'm blocking on his, uh, the, uh, oh gosh, okay, yeah, I'm having a senior moment, but, uh, Dr. Marty McCary, uh, the, oh, the price we pay, sorry, the information's in there, it's just sometimes the, the neural connections just are not as quick as they used to be, but Marty McCary will be there um, talking about healthcare issues, discussing things in his book, The Price We Pay, one of the best medical books that um, I have read um, ever. And uh, he'll be available to sign his books. So um, please come. We've got a new speaker that um, we've just arranged to have, which is going to be a real treat. It is um, uh, Kelly Hazer Pickens. Um and you probably never heard of her, but she has a compelling story. She's a lovely woman. She's actually former Ms. Universe from 2022. And she's an inspirational speaker and uh, has a, a fantastic life story that she's going to share with um, with everybody at the meeting. She also happens to be the Florida leader of Americans for Prosperity. So you don't want to miss this meeting. This is going to be just a blockbuster meeting. I'm excited about it, and so should you be. So um, I'm going to just talk about some random things today, which are on my mind that I... Um, you know, I, f- I feel I need to share with you. Um, one of them is the latest example of the sickness that that is wokeism. Um, Vituity is a physician-owned and operated um, medical staffing organization. It's operated around the country in in um uh, over over 25 states with a range of medical specialties they reportedly see over 8 million patients annually out of 450 practice locations they've recently launched a program called bridge to brilliance and it offers an incentive which includes a $100,000 signing bonus to attract talented physicians. Sounds great, right? But here's the kicker. It's only open to black physicians. Just digest that for a second. They have a program to attract quality physicians, but it's only open to black physicians. This is not going unchallenged. This is unbelievable. It's, it's, you talk about racism. This is racism. <clears throat> Doesn't matter which direction the racism goes in. It's racism. Because you're making decisions, business decisions based upon race. <clears throat> There's a physician, there is a physician group called Do No Harm. <clears throat> and they're challenging this. They're saying that this program violates federal law regarding racial discrimination because it does. The board chairman, Stanley Goldfarb, says that black, that black patients, 
want the best doctors and the best medical care, not doctors that are racially concordant. This program, which is based on race, is, quote, abhorrent and rightfully illegal, end quote. So, Fatuity states that they their program, quote, is led by our DEI, that's um, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, their DEI slash Health Equity Team. And the program provides aspiring and current healthcare professionals with the resources and support needed to thrive on their journey in medicine, according to their website. So when asked to comment on the lawsuit against them, a Vituity spokesman, spokesperson said that Vituity, quote, firmly believes in the values of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And the Bridge to Brilliance program underscores these values. We will vigorously defend the program and continue our mission to enhance health care services for all communities, end quote. Well, I don't even know where to begin with this, but Do No Harm says that its mission is to safeguard health care from all ideologic threats, and this is an ideologic threat. Non-black doctors are ineligible to apply to this program. They can't compete for the bonus, which is higher than the typical vituity signing bonuses, and they can't compete on equal footing because of their race, because they are not black. The lawsuit argues that fatuity is violating section 1981 of the Civil Rights Act, which protects the equal rights of all persons to make and enforce contracts without respect to race. And it also prohibits intentional race discrimination in making and enforcing public and private contracts. This is where we are today. This is wokeism. This is racism, reverse racism. And they're, they're fine with it. The lawsuit also alleges that vituity is in violation of Section 1557 of the Affordable Care Act, which states that an individual shall not, on the grounds prohibited under Title VI, be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefits of, or subjected to discrimination under any health program or activity, any part of which is receiving federal financial assistance, including credits, subsidies, or contracts of insurance. And that's that 
pretty much excludes 51% of all the health care because it is covered by the U.S. government. Medicare, Medicaid, VA, Indian Health Service, CHIP. This lawsuit was filed in Northern District, U.S., um, uh, United States District Court. And this is the latest in a trend to inject DEI into health care. It is not going away. It's getting worse. And it's something that we need to stand up to, need to call it out. Because what this is, is Marxism. Marxism. The DEI is a Marxist tool. How many times do we talk about this on this show? In healthcare, Marxism means that you have government control and you put into place social constructs that will be, um, that, that, that have no bearing on meritocracy, but on identity politics and other uh, metrics that um, are intended to bring everything into the middle. And when you do that for one group, you do it at the expense of another. We've seen this trend in medical school admissions, in selecting people for residency programs, We've even seen it in patient care, where at Brigham and Women's Hospital, there was a program designed to give black patients preferential treatment over white patients. DEI is so toxic in so many ways. First, programs like Vituities, where they say that people want doctors who look like them, which they've done, sends a negative message. It implies that the care that black or Hispanic patients receive from Caucasian doctors will not be as good, not be as compassionate as it would be from a person that was of similar racial or ethnic background. I've talked about this, Dr. Marilyn Singleton, a, a, a black, I believe she is a, um, a radiologist, in, in, and she's written extensively about how this is, this is, it sends the wrong message, and it's, it's wrong to be, um, uh, selecting out doctors on the basis of the color of their skin rather than their abilities and their skills. The people who promote this fiction cite studies that claim that people of color or people in minority populations receive poorer care from doctors who don't look like them. And this is a bunch of crap. These studies are poorly done. They're poorly controlled. 
they're not well um, uh, constructed. Uh, many of them appear in non-peer review literature. This is this is a uh, toxic, toxic um, way of of uh, trying to uh, support minority doctors. People want the best health care, regardless of what they look like, and sadly, so many of the DEI hires are not the best people. They are people that have been pushed through because of affirmative action programs in schools that go all the way back to primary education. This is the poisonous ideology of the left. It's all that is bad with our society today. Everything can be traced directly to the left and their Marxist ideas. They hate America, and they want to stop at nothing to tear down every single institution, healthcare included. This ideology has ruined education in America. According to a recent study conducted by the United States Department of Education, 20% of high school graduates are functionally illiterate. How can you graduate from high school and be functionally illiterate? Many of these people are being pushed through into higher education beyond high school, into college, into professional schools like medical school or law school, simply on the basis of what they look like. In Chicago, 21% of graduating high school students, just 21%, only 21% of the graduating high school students were proficient in reading and math. That means 80% of the graduating high school students in Chicago were not. In New York, in Washington, in LA, where charter schools have been successful at lifting black children up and allowing them to fulfill their potential, these opportunities have been taken away from these individuals because of woke politics who don't want these children to succeed. They want to support the failing public schools because of the relationship they have with the corrupt teachers' unions. <clears throat> and the teachers' unions don't give a rat's you-know-what about the children. The teachers do, but not their union. And the goal of the unions, certainly not the goal necessarily of the unions, but certainly the goal of the left, is to create a permanent underclass a group of people who are uneducated, who are sub, who are um, able to be um, influenced and and and, uh, and brainwashed and subjugated by a corrupt media that that just echoes 
uh, a a toxic message from the left about how bad America is. For people who don't have the capability of even questioning this because they can't read or they're not smart enough to look at other sources of information other than the things that they receive from mainstream media or worse it's not even mainstream media anymore it's social media it's tiktok it's it's youtube it's instagram they they can't process it this is this is a a real problem that we are facing right now with with our educational system and if these children in these underserved communities were able to receive the proper education that would be a game changer and we've seen that in the Harlem school um, uh, the Harlem school for success i think it was i think they had like a 98% rate of of graduates who were um above average in math and reading and were and we're getting into the best colleges in the country that's what we should be doing that's meritocracy that's possible but not when the left when the marxists control the the the, the levers of power for education which then gets pushed through into healthcare other parts of this toxic stew that the left serves up is dividing us by race, by ethnicity, by gender, or other characteristics. Barack Obama was largely responsible for making this happen. And in fact, just yesterday I was reading about Barack Obama is a, is a, uh, executive producer of this new show. It's an apocalyptic movie about these two um, families that wind up finding themselves having to share a house. One is black and one is white. And the, the, the black family, the, the father of the black, of the black family says to his daughter, you can't trust white people. And Barack Obama is the executive producer of this and allows this to happen. He allowed this to happen during his presidency. He's gone, he's done this time and time and time again when he had an opportunity to heal the country. The most powerful black man in the world had an opportunity to heal the country and instead he divided it. And that's not a surprise. It's not a shock because he told us he was going to do this. He said he was going to fundamentally transform America. How do you transform America? You have to destroy what we have. And he was instrumental in marching us down that road to making that happen. And here we are today, 14 years later, sowing the seeds of what of what he planted. Again, this is part of the left plan. Dividing America makes makes it considerably easier to change the status quo. 
I would say their plan is working quite well. Nothing today is normal. Nothing's normal anymore. The Marxists try to convince us that this is the new normal. And only people who've been brainwashed, who've been indoctrinated, accept this and believe this. Because those of us that have not been brainwashed or indoctrinated knows that so much of this is wrong on so many levels. And if we love our country, we love our way of life, we love our history, as flawed as it is, and we want to see our country continue on the same path that it has been on, things have to change. Conservatism is the enemy of Marxism. Conservatives try to conserve, to preserve, preserve the gift that we have been given by generations of Americans before us. The trouble is that the young people today have not been taught this. Instead, they've been indoctrinated to hate America. We see this. We're seeing it play out right in front of our very eyes every single day, right now, with these Palestinian protests. They're not Palestinian protests at all. They are pro-terrorist protests, pro-Hamas protests. The What's happening in this country is no different right now than what is happening in protests in the Middle East, in the West Bank, in Gaza. Well, not right now in Gaza, of course. It's getting destroyed, as it should be, to root out the terror, the, the animals that, that, that savagely uh, murdered and tortured over 1,200 people, women, children, elderly. These demonstrations are happening all over the world. In, instead of educating people, we're indoctrinating them to hate America. I was reading that the Palestinians are damaged people. And it, it starts out in childhood because right from the time that they can even talk, they're being taught to hate Jews. They are being indoctrinated. They are going to, they're getting, they get picture books that tells them about how evil Jews are and how they deserve to be killed. They go to school and learn the same things. They go to summer camp and learn how to brandish weapons. This is a damaged people. These people are, are, are morally, psychologically damaged in every aspect and there is no bringing them back. 
you cannot you cannot make these people recover they are they are lost this it takes one to two generations to undo what these vile people have done to change opinions i suspect it's going to take the exact same amount of time to change things in this country because these young people today are damaged they've been damaged by being exposed to ideas to ideology to people who hate america who hate everything that we stand for and are poisoning the minds of our young people and they're trying to do this earlier and earlier in their lives it's it's hard to tell people that what is happening around them is wrong they don't believe that what they're what you tell them is wrong why do they not believe it because what you're telling them is different than quote their truth how many times have you heard that saying well that's not my truth what does that even mean my truth there is no my truth there's the truth you know i i that reminds me when i do surgery and i'm i'm i have to identify a side that i'm going to operate on i ask the parents what side are we operating on and they think about this for a second and they go oh um his left and i go wait a second are you talking about the left or your left or his left there's only one left there's only one left and there's only one right the same is true about truth there's only one truth now you can look at truth and interpret facts that have happened and decide whether or not you agree with what happened or don't agree but there's no such thing as your truth there are facts and the truth and that's the end of the story and this idea of being able to change things into your truth allows anyone to say anything about everything without any evidence without any expertise all because you believe something to be real and it becomes your truth. And this notion is a complete break from reality, which is why I have always said and still maintain that leftism is a form of mental illness. Period. There is truth. End of story. Period. And anything else is BS. The idea of relativism goes hand in hand with the breakdown of moral clarity. <clears throat> Here, I am referencing what happened last week in Congress with the presidents of Harvard and MIT and Penn. And I'm sure by now you've all heard about this. Bravo and kudos to Congressman Elaine Stefanik from New York for grilling 
these pompous blowhard presidents of these universities, especially Claudine Gay, that pompous racist plagiarist from Harvard. What a disgrace. These women did not have the moral courage, the moral conviction to say that anti-Semitism is hate speech. They did not have the courage, the moral clarity to say that what happened was against the university policy. Instead, they gave nuanced answers that depends on context. It's not contextual. This is not contextual. This is morality. It's either moral or it's not moral. And when Congressman Stefanik pressed and pressed, they couched their answers, saying that speech is protected and only when it escalates into action, then it's against university policy. So let me get this straight. Until there's assault or murder, it's okay to harass Jews. And this is so blatantly BS coming from these women. If you said anything remotely derogatory on these campuses about any other groups, it would lead to reprimands or expulsion. Imagine for a moment calling for the genocide of blacks or calling for the genocide of Hispanics or anyone else. What do you think that would land you? But it's okay to call for the genocide of Jews. And make no mistake about it, when they say worldwide jihad, it only means one thing. It means the worldwide eradication of Jews. But it's okay to blacklist conservatives. It's okay to blacklist Christians. After they get through with the Jews, what do you think is going to happen to these other groups? They expelled students last year from Harvard for private conversations, private conversations on their social media accounts. They became known to the administration and they expelled students for what they were thinking or what they were writing in the privacy of their own social media accounts. This hypocrisy is absolutely stunning. And when called out about it, the left circles the wagons. Hundreds of Harvard professors support Claudine Gay, and they do not want her to step down. These are the Marxists, the leftists, who are showing you their true colors because this is their agenda. They don't care about free speech. They care about continuing, perpetuating their Marxist goal of transforming American education and creating this class of individuals who are indoctrinated into believing what they want young people to hear. Saturday Night Live mocked Elaine Stefanik rather than supporting her, exposing this disgraceful position by these university presidents. How is that even acceptable? It wasn't even funny. 
Harvard was ranked dead last in rankings on College Free Speech, which is a uh, website that looks at colleges and um, the ability for these colleges to support free speech on their campuses. And they put out, um, it, it's the... Um, it's put out by the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression, a nonprofit organization that surveys 55,000 students from 254 colleges and universities. And Harvard received the lowest possible score you can ever po- possibly get, a 0.00. They should be very proud of that, very proud. It's the only school with an abysmal speech climate rating, Penn, University of South Carolina, Georgetown, and Fordham rounded out the the bottom five. The scores are based on questions which assess tolerance difference and disruptive conduct. Schools at the bottom were more biased toward allowing controversial liberal speakers on campus over conservatives, and they were more accepting of students using disruptive and violent forms of protest to stop a campus speech. Deplatforming occurred more commonly as we approach the bottom of that university list. Other points of this survey were that students worry about the reputation damage by someone misunderstanding what they have said or done. So what are the schools are in the bottom 20? Skidmore, Northwestern, Duquesne, Dartmouth, my favorite school where my girls went to school and I went to med school, sadly, University of Texas. Tulane, UC Davis, Yale, Marquette, and Boston University. Schools like NYU, Columbia, Cornell, Stanford, Emory, Princeton, GW were all below average. UNC, UCLA, Rice, Berkeley, surprisingly, wasn't at the bottom, but Berkeley, which is slightly below average. And MIT, one of the schools that were called out in front of Congress was average in in terms of free speech on campuses. Michigan Tech, Auburn, University of New Hampshire, and Oregon State all received good ratings, and Florida State University, UVA, Texas A&M, UB, University of Buffalo, my college alma mater, Carnegie Mellon, Washington and Lee, and Mississippi State were all above average. So, if you're trying to decide on a school for your high school child, it might be a good idea to consult this list, unless you have a Jewish student, in which case you pr- it probably doesn't matter, because anti-Semitism reigns supreme at all the schools across all uh, uh, geographic areas across this list. And it's ironic Going back, uh, well, first of all, let me just tell you this. I just did a survey and talking about how poorly educated our college students are. 20%, 20%, one in five college students believes that the Holocaust was a hoax. This is, I, I mean, I don't even know how to respond to that. This is just so unbelievable. But what's really ironic is how bad Harvard is um, represent you know so so the the uh, Claudine Gay was supported by the board 
of 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 uh, Regents, the 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 foundation board at Harvard. They're not going to fire her. They stand behind her. They double down on on her position. And what happens two days later? Two congressmen, Democrats, were deplatformed. They were disinvited by Harvard. Representative Jake Auschenklaus, Democrat from Massachusetts, and Ro Khanna, a Democrat from California, were disinvited by Harvard. They were invited by a conservative student group to discuss trade with China. Representative Auschenklaus is a Harvard graduate, and he was appalled by Claudine Gay's testimony and and felt that she did the school a disservice. So what happened two days later? He was disinvited. Coincidence? I think not. Hopefully this is the beginning of exposing the poisonous climate on college campuses. Harvard has lost over a billion dollars in contributions since October 7th, and it's increasing. But you know what? I don't think they care. Not with a $30 billion endowment and other money coming in, which I'm going to tell you about in just a second. And other schools are similarly being affected by philanthropists withdrawing money. But that's just a drop in the bucket. Other steps must be taken to take back our educational system from these Marxist, um, anti-American pieces of you-know-what. <clears throat> we must take away tenure from these college professors who are poisoning the minds of our of our young people. We must take away their tax-exempt status and start taxing the schools for the um, billions of dollars of real estate that they sit on and the billions of dollars in their endowment. We must take away their federal funding and stop giving them money to continue to poison the minds of our young people. And most importantly, we need to block foreign money and foreign influence from coming into these schools. So many of these protests around the country right now, these pro-Hamas protests, are being led by Islamists who are not even American citizens. They're here on student visas. Those visas should be revoked today. And we should stop this from happening going forward. I want to share something with you. Um, Qatar is hand-in-hand hand with the Muslim Brotherhood. Their relationship is is ironclad. And interestingly, that relationship is being also supported by George Soros. And what they have done is they funneled tens and tens of billions of dollars into our educational system. Um, what has happened in Doha, in Qatar, they've created an educational city. So, you know, it's one thing to say we're going to block the money coming into this country from foreign governments. What Qatar has done is they've created an educational city. And what the educational city is, is a place where universities from the United States can establish a, a campus for students to come to 
under the under the uh, auspices of those universities. Cornell is such a university that's there. So is Carnegie Mellon, Georgetown, Texas A&M, Oxford, and the Sorbonne. Cornell received $2 billion through this educational city from Qatar and the Muslim Brotherhood. Texas A&M received $1 billion, and this is unbelievable. When Qatar establishes this educational city and gives money, there's a contract with these schools. And Qatar... The, the Qatari Foundation owns the uh, intellectual property for anything that comes out of these universities, including their research. And guess what Texas A&M is involved in? They're involved in nuclear research. They're one of two American universities that are involved in nuclear research. And they're doing this through Educational City in Doha and the Qatari Foundation, the Muslim Brotherhood, owns that research. There were 502 other research projects that the Qatari Foundation owns that are, that are American projects. This is how they're funneling money, and this is the quid pro quo. Um, Joseph Kawadawi, is the spiritual leader of the Qatari royal family. And he has been quoted as saying that the true believer, and you know what the true believer is, the true believer is obligated to complete the work of Adolf Hitler. And this is who the Qatari family relies on for their spiritual um, uh, leadership and and so this is this is the poison stew that's that's fueling money coming into our universities that needs to be stopped. I've got about eight minutes, and I want to just switch gears and talk about a little bit about healthcare, a healthcare issue. So, um, I have been asked to look into and comment on the new communicable diseases in China. And um, <clears throat> this there's a highly infectious upper respiratory illness that's sweeping across that country. And what this really is, it's called walking pneumonia. And it is caused by a bacteria, mycoplasma pneumonia. It's not new. It's not a new virus. It's not a virus at all. It's a bacteria. It, it's as old as time. But it's mostly affecting children. And also the very impaired, the elderly and immunocompromised. And it's happening because this is the first winter since China has lifted the strictest COVID restrictions in the world. The outbreak is being blamed simply on kids going back to school and getting sick. But... The WHO, the World Health Organization, that's the World Health Organization explanation, but it may be something very different. It's likely the result of the total lockdowns that China subjected their people to. And when people are exposed to other people in a normal situation, there's 
circulating pathogens in the world. Everybody sees those, and that's how you build up your immunity. And most of these pathogens are airborne pathogens, whether they're mycoplasma pneumonia or respiratory syncytial virus or influenza or adenovirus, whatever they are, they're in our biome. They've been there forever, and there's a baseline amount of immunity that everybody has because everybody's been exposed to these pathogens. And they may get sick from time to time, you know, a little cold, subclinical infections. And every time you do that, it further builds up your immunity. But it doesn't overwhelm a population. It doesn't create tremendous outbreaks that completely overwhelm the ability of hospitals or doctors or communities to take care of them. But what the COVID lockdowns did was it produced a cohort of patients ages four and under who were naive. Naive is a medical term when people are not exposed to something. A population of of young children who were immunologically naive who never saw these pathogens in in the community because they've been locked away. They've built up no immunity. And when they finally do get exposed, especially to several pathogens at the same time, the results can be devastating. And that's what is happening in China. Dr. Ben Cowling, the chair of epidemiology at Hong Kong School of Public Health, has said that Hong Kong and China are farther behind the curve than North America and Europe, and it will take a while to get back to pre-pandemic patterns of respiratory diseases. Influenza only resumed in Hong Kong this past spring in 2023, while North Americans experienced a mild flu season in 21-22, which was followed by an earlier-than-expected flu season in 22-23. So that's why China is seeing this devastating um, uh, respiratory um, uh, disease uh, outbreak across the country. And I don't want people to get confused that this is another COVID issue, but what it clearly demonstrates is the is the sequela, the repercussions of what you do when you manipulate a population thinking you're doing good and you're doing a public health service, you're actually doing a disservice, which could be more harmful than the problem you're trying to solve. And this is a important lesson in unintended consequences regarding public health policy. But there's something a little bit more concerning that I just want to leave you with as we leave, as we conclude the show. People have raised the possibility and I wonder whether or not these mRNA shots, these COVID shots have actually negatively impacted the ability of patients to mount a robust immune response on their own. There's a body of evidence, a body of work, which suggests that that's the case. And it, it, 
you know, it it probably is is not necessarily as important as these immunologically naive patients, these children. Otherwise, we would be seeing this outbreak across all age groups in China. But it's at least something that deserves to be looked at, something that um, requires some scrutiny. So as I leave you, I just want to remind you about sponsorship opportunities on this show. $250 gets you recognized. $500, you'll be a guest on this show uh, for a segment. And for $1,000, you get to, sh- to co-host this show with me on the Doctor's Lounge. All you have to do is make your tax-deductible contribution to the Docs for Patient Care Foundation. Go to the website. Go do it today. Once you've done that, shoot me an email at doctorslounge at americaswebradio.com, and we will get this rolling. And I am looking forward to uh, the opportunity to have a number of guests on my show who have uh, generously supported the show, as well as sponsors, um, every $250 sponsors a show. So, uh, that will be, that will be, uh, something that you can be directly responsible for. Hal, I want to add that if, uh, you're a veteran, go to our homepage. There's a, a surprise for you. We'll be filling in some blanks, but we're giving a AR-15 style weapon away to a veteran. So, go to our website. Thank you, David. So thank you for being with us in the Doctor's Lounge today, and I look forward. Actually, I will not be back in the Doctor's Lounge in two weeks. It's Christmas holiday. I will be away. We'll probably be playing a best-of show. So I want to wish everybody a happy Hanukkah and a very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, and I will be back with you in 2024. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. In 2009, the membership organization Docs for Patient Care was founded. People all around the country wanted to participate in the efforts of this group, and they wanted to join, but they were unable to do so unless they were physicians. It's for this reason that the Docs for Patient Care Foundation was created. Now, everyone can join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients, dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. While you're at your computer, please go to www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org and make a tax-deductible donation and join the fight along with us. Thank you.